This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 454. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host today, Riley Bowman, and I am joined by our amazing founder and president of Concealed Carry, Inc., Jacob Paulson. Hello, sir. Thank you for the invitation, Riley. Pleasure to be here. Such an honor to have you on the show with me today. Uh, you and I are doing the show today because this is a big one for us because uh, it's another, I think, milestone in the evolution of the podcast. We're going to talk about some uh, exciting new changes coming to the show and to the format, the way we do things here. Everything is with, of course, the intent of making it better, higher quality, and improving the show we go forward. So I'm really excited to discuss those with you in today's episode. Uh, but also, we're going to be sharing the most recent Shooter Ready Challenge, uh, which is actually support hand-only shooting. Uh, last month was was your primary hand or, or shooting hand uh, only. Uh, so now we're going to talk about support hand only. Very similar in a lot of ways, but obviously different because it's harder. <laughs> So excited about the episode today's episode because of Shooter Ready Challenge. Uh, These are sponsors of of the Shooter Ready Challenge as well. So today's episode is brought to you by LASR, which is uh, found at LASRapp.com, LASRapp.com, and their wonderful Laser X software, which makes dry fire. It just it adds a whole a whole other dimension to dry fire. Uh, Jacob and I have used Laser or Laser X, which is the most recent version, the version that's compatible with any internet connected device, uh, tablet, phone, computer, doesn't matter. And so go on, uh, go on over to LASRapp.com to learn more about Laser X and see what it can do for you and your dry fire practice. Um, all the more important to do dry fire these days because of ammunition uh, availability and cost, which uh, is doesn't look like it's resolving itself anytime soon. So step up that dry fire game today with Laser X. Also, the Next Level Training Cert Pistol is uh, one of the primary tools I use with Laser X. Jacob, tell, tell us, you know, you've been a user for of Cert Pistols for a long time. Uh, what's your, like, what, what's your your big takeaway? Or like, what what do you want to tell people about cert pistols if they don't already know? Guys like you and me, Riley, we're blessed to, by nature, being in the industry full time as as employees of the firearm industry, to have at our disposal basically all of the toys. Right? I got I got a cool fire trainer. I got cert pistols. I got laser light pistols. I got uh, laser dot trainer cartridge ammo thingy, bullet thingies. I have barrel blocks. I have dry fire mags. I have Glock easy trainers. I mean, it, we pretty much have all the toys. I have an airsoft uh, you know, gun that's, that's exactly the same as my EDC gun. And uh, despite having all the toys, now, and oh, the Mantis. I mean, we can keep going. LASR software. I got all the toys. Uh, despite having all the toys, without question, the one that gets the majority of use is the cert pistol. Like without the, and, and this is true of everybody I talk to in the game. Like anyone who's in the industry, even if they have access to everything, right? They've purchased it all 
the thing they use the most is definitely the cert pistol because for a number of reasons one I don't have to set up software. I can, right? I can use it with LASR, but I can just pick up the gun and go. I can do it while I'm on the phone. I don't have to break apart my gun and change out the barrel and recoil spring. I don't have to charge it with air. I don't have to worry about anything. I just grab the gun and go. And it's got a resetting trigger, so I'm going to get pretty dang realistic work. I can you know, lighten or tighten the trigger if I want it to be a little heavier or a little bit lighter. Uh, I, I leave mine kind of at stock, which is a little heavy. Uh, Riley does not. He likes to he likes to make it a little bit more similar to his his actual gun. But you're not you're not going to ever use any tool in dry fire as much as you'll use a cert pistol. Now, I wish that they had them in more models, but that you know you have a pretty good list right now. You have the you know the Glock, the cert 110, which is the Glock. It's a Glock 17, effectively. You have the cert 107, which is a full size M&P. You have the cert 20C, which is a P320 compact. The cert 20 normal, which is like a full-size 320, and then you have the CERT pocket pistol, which is, you know, M&P shield-ish, Glock 43-ish, ish. So, yeah, I don't, I just don't think that, there's there's nothing I use more than CERT, I don't know how to give like a better endorsement than that. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I have become a lot more strategic in my use of the CERT pistol in recent uh, years, but it still is a valuable training tool. And one thing that's great for us for just demonstrating or talking about uh, training or shooting concepts to other shooters as an instructor or to family members, to my children, uh, the CERT pistol is a great training aid. So super excited again about uh, today's episode. Uh, Again, we're going to talk about today's topic uh, uh, being the uh, uh, support hand only shooting, uh, which we'll, we'll get into that momentarily and it, and the shooter ready challenge for the month of October. Uh, but, uh, first I want to talk about changes to the podcast, uh, that we're going to bring to you actually, as of today, in fact, we're doing this show live today on Wednesday, uh, which many of you probably think, well, they had some conflict yesterday. And so it got pushed back one day. The truth is we're actually doing two live shows today. Uh, we're doing this one now started at one o'clock mountain time, and we are doing one again at four o'clock mountain time today. And that is very much intentional. So, uh, yeah, the changes to the podcast, uh, for a long time now, we've done two episodes a week. And for, for a long time now, we've, our goal has been to do those two episodes on one on Tuesday, one on Thursday each week. Uh, we have taken stock of where we are with things and with available resources. And we have elected now to bring to you two episodes a week. Still no change as far as that's concerned. But we're going to produce all of that podcast content on one single day, Wednesdays of each week. That, at least that's the, that's the plan. That's the intent. Uh, probably will still be modifications from time to time. Like, Jacob, I, I realize that already next week is probably a bit screwy. Yeah. Because <laughs> you and I are going to be in Arizona. Traveling. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is also important, I think. Uh, in terms of like why we'd make these changes, I think that you know some of you are, are listening. There, there, we have kind of three different types of consumers right now of our podcast. We have what we call live viewers, uh, people who log into Facebook or YouTube when we're recording live. Then we also have what I would call you know post 
post live video watchers, people who go to our Facebook page or YouTube channel and watch the podcast video after it's been recorded, but it's it's still there. And then we have uh, audio listeners, people who just are download you know download the podcast to an app on their phone or their car or whatever, and that's how they listen to this podcast. The the, the challenge has been you know when we started recording on Tuesdays and Thursdays it became really quickly apparent that we couldn't create a consistent experience. It, it just was too troubling. And so, it, I mean, if you were tuning into the lives, we tried really hard to be close and similar, but then for the audio only listener, which represents thousands and thousands of you, uh, it, it was tough. It just wasn't consistent. You didn't know when you were going to get our episodes and that was a challenge. So this is, this new format's going to, going to be a lot better, hopefully a lot more consistent on Wednesdays, We'll record two, both of our weekly uh, podcast episodes. We'll do that at Wednesday at 1 p.m. and 4 p.m. Mountain Time, where possible. And then those episodes will be the ones published to the audio feed the following week on, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. That would be our 10th, that an episode would be released on Tuesday, and that would re- it would be released on Thursday. So for those of you who primarily consume our podcast audio only, which is awesome and fine and good and dandy, um, hopefully you're going to have a much more consistent experience moving forward than you have in the past where it seems like you go lots of days without anything. And then over the course of two days, we dropped three episodes and it was just, it was a challenge for us by the nature of our workflow uh, with other things we do other than, than produce a podcast. So our hope would be that um, significantly more consistency for audio only uh, listeners, for those of you who watch the recordings of the show, probably not going to be much different other than now you know that you know the, both of those should happen on Wednesday. So you know Thursday through Tuesday, you can consume those. For those of you who like to attend live, we're hoping that by having two different time periods, one of them record at 1 p.m., the other one record at 4 p.m. Mountain, that maybe you know not a lot of you might be able to watch both. Some of you probably will. But we're hoping that some of you might get a chance to where you previously did not. So hopefully that, you know, cycles it up. Mm-hmm. Yep. And again, you know, we may, due to guest interviews and things, might have to make some exceptions here and there. Uh, but that that is, that's the planned format and schedule at this current time. And that's what we're going to work with. So, the next week is going to be who knows what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So bear with us. And, and the following week, we should be, Back on schedule. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we did pick Wednesdays because generally they're, they're the least interrupted day of the week. They're the le- least likely to be hit by a day off, a holiday, uh, you know, any vacation. I mean, Wednesdays just are probably going to be our best, most consistent option. Yep. Yep. You know, even down to things like uh, some of our internal company meetings, like we, it seems that many of our quarterly meetings we do with all of our staff uh, are like on a Thursday and that has always conflicted with podcast days and stuff. And so, yeah, Wednesday should be a good day and I'm looking forward to it. You know, along with the podcast changes, we also decided to do away with uh, the ever popular shop talk live show. <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, I mean, we, we've been doing that for a while now and, and we've had many of you, join with us and watch that live, uh, for quite some time. And, and, uh, you know, it seems like it's been positively received and I've enjoyed doing those shop talk uh, shows, which is just kind of an opportunity to talk about all kinds of things. Uh, I also feature some products and, and, and things as well. 
And uh, we were doing that on Mondays and then we had podcasts on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And frankly, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily personally be opposed to doing shop talk like on Wednesdays along with everything else, but it is a lot of stuff. And we felt like, I felt like that would be too much to do in a single day. And, uh, and, and really another, you know, the big, big, big goal is freeing up some resources so we can produce more high quality, high impact content, uh, or professionally produced content as well, uh, that we'll be able to work with our, our video team, which is really one guy (laughs) and, and, uh, be able to, film more videos, get those edited, get those published, both for our members, our Guardian Nation members only, but also, you know, to the op- open to the public as well. So um, anyway, it's going to be uh, a good time and I'm looking forward to the future and what it brings. Hopefully all of this will be a step up and a step in the right direction as well. And for those of you who enjoy entering into the weekly podcast prize giveaway, Uh, Also, it's noteworthy that we'll continue to do a weekly giveaway uh, every single week. We're just shifting the entry times, right? Because it's a a revolving door. You have to enter every week for that week's prize. And so moving forward, I think what we decided, Riley, tell me if I'm wrong, but people can enter starting on Wednesday through Tuesday, correct? Is that the plan? Uh, Essentially, yes. We'll we'll get more specific, I think, on what time those will end. I mean, it could be Tuesday night, midnight. Technically, could actually run it through basically from like noon to noon mountain time each Wednesday, too, because it's done by the time we're doing the podcast. Yeah, that works. I don't know. But the point is, you know, if you need to make any adjustments, I mean, at the end of the day, if you just pick the same day each week and you go to the website, concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize and you enter, you're going to be fine. Uh, but that's that's kind of the new the new cycle. Yep. Yep. And uh, I see a comment on YouTube asking if they're going to continue being you know the podcast shows being live on Facebook and YouTube and and our plan is not to change any of that at the current time. So wherever you choose to watch or listen to us, all that should remain the same. So yeah. Let's get into our topic for today's episode. We're going to talk about support hand only shooting, which is this month's featured skill in our shooter ready challenge. Uh, as you, many of you know, we've been doing this shooter ready challenge thing for like what a year uh, or so now. I think October uh, of last year is the first month, so I think maybe we've published thirteen of them in theory. Yeah, and uh, so basically, with those shooter ready challenges, we, we've been. We've been working, we partnered with LASR, the laser app team, as, as their sponsors of that. And, and so because of that, we use the Laser X software and uh, do some dry fire drills and film that and put that up on shooterreadychallenge.com. I'm, I'm telling you this for those of you that don't know. Uh, and if you haven't checked out shooterreadychallenge.com, you might consider going and doing that. And you'll be able to see the video there and watch me demonstrate and, and talk about the relevant skills to that particular drill. This month is simple in that it, it's essentially five shot groups, if you will, uh, you know, 
one hand only, which is your support hand only in this case. Um, not not a terribly great distance. You can do whatever distance you want, frankly, but uh, I do mine on a scaled target that works out to be about seven yards. And uh, that, that seems like an appropriate distance for this. Um, so basically, it's draw a gun out of holster, transition over to your support hand, and fire five shots uh, on the target on a wall or whatever that laser X, you have a camera pointed at it and it's evaluating those hits that are indicated by the, your laser trainer of choice. You could be using a, a laser. Uh, we have our, our new laser dot uh, trainer cartridges, you know, the little uh, dry fire laser insert you put in your chamber of your gun and dry fire with, you could be using a cert pistol, um, in theory, and, and provided the lighting and, and your camera is good enough at a high enough frame rate, you could use a laser device attached to an airsoft or a cool fire training gun as well. And so uh, anyway, five shots, support hand only. Yes, again, it's from the draw and then a transition over to the support hand. I, I, in our conversation today, Jacob, I'd like to actually kind of build upon some other support hand only uh, related skills and even drills that people could per perform at home or at the range. Um, but that's essentially that's the essence of the drill is is what I just described there. Yeah, so I, I think we need to uh, maybe justify the effort. I, I, I do on sometimes I think here from from shooters who will say things like, ah, oh, how realistic is that? What are the odds of me having to ever shoot, you know, one-handed, support hand only, um, things like that? But it's it's actually pretty remarkable. I, I really should ask John Correa to, like, give us some stats on this because it's actually remarkable to me what a high percentage of gun surveillance videos um, show the shooter shooting one-handed. And I, and I mean the defensive shooter, not, you know, you might say, oh, well, sure, the criminals. You know, the crim criminals are all gangster, carry, whateverness. But I actually mean defensive shooters at a very high percent. Well, I mean, more than I would have thought, a significantly higher percentage of the time than I would have thought it's one-handed shooting. Uh, whether that's based on environment and the need to get around an object or whatever it might be, or because so the other hand is occupied, it's holding something that just can't let go or drop it, or whatever it might be, or you know, carrying a baby. We've seen several of those videos. Uh, but I think that if you're a person who thinks it's not super realistic or not a necessary skill to learn to shoot one-handed, I think you're not paying attention. I think you're naive. And as to the support hand, I think if you accept that you might have to shoot one-handed, then you should naturally accept that the, the need might be there to shoot with either hand based on context. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it, it's pretty evident from just watching any number of videos on Active Self Protection's YouTube channel uh, that shooting one-handed, pr primarily with the dominant hand, is fairly common. And, and we even see people that don't necessarily have their support hand occupied by anything, but for whatever reason... Uh, they, you know, and the brain does funny things sometimes. And I think this is more prevalent with a shooter that is perhaps less trained in some ways, or they just don't have as much time behind the trigger uh, where, you know, it, it's a, it's grab and point and shoot the gun. Um, I mean, because what I'm, where I'm going with that, Jacob is 
when you take someone that is highly skilled and they spend a lot of time dry firing, a lot of time shooting live fire, uh, and their skill level is at a, at a place where you, they, they, their brain will almost not allow them to fire a shot unless they see what they need to see in the sight picture mm-hmm. and recognizing that if I'm shooting one handed, it makes that like subconsciously for me, it's like, why would I do this? Because I, I can see better what I want and what I need to see to make those hits count. Uh, with two hands on the gun, but the brain does crazy things. And and for many of these individuals uh, that are caught up in a sudden life or death situation, they grab the gun and they just extend and point and shoot. And certainly there's many examples of people being successful with that kind of approach, um, whether they get hits on target or not. (laughs) And now, we should. We need to be. We need a, a caution here. We need to be accountable for every round that we fire. Uh, every round should be attached to a decision, and that decision-making process should be linked to, you know, a threat that we see and we identify, and a recognition that our gun is aimed at that threat, and then the decision sent to that trigger finger to say, "Okay, go fire shot." Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so the point is, is like we do see plenty of examples of one-handed shooting, but it's almost always with the primary hand. I seem to recall John talking once about support hand only, uh, not really being a thing that he's aware of. I don't think he really has. He might, okay, but I seem to remember him talking at one time about not really having any examples of a civilian having to shoot support hand only. Well, Here's a thought then. Here's a potential argument. This is going to sound crazy, but I'll, I swear I'll bring this back around. Sure. Uh, I am a student of a couple of foreign languages. In high school, I studied four years of Spanish and one year of French. And then I moved to Brazil for a few years and became very proficient with Portuguese. So all Latin languages, all very similar. And today I am a student of Spanish. I study Spanish every day. And What's always been remarkable to me is I learn significantly more English by studying Spanish than I ever learned studying English. (laughs) And if if you've ever studied a foreign language, you know exactly what I mean. Like uh, my biggest ahas about the English language came sitting in a Spanish class in high school, right? And they'd teach you something about it and and you'd learn things and you'd be like, oh, wait a minute. But in English, da-da-da-da-da. And then you'd be like, oh. I get it now. Now I actually understand why we do that in English because I'm learning a foreign language. And so here's, here's the connection. Here's my attempt to bring it back. And I see that uh, you just responded to Todd's comment here. Who's live with us today and, and also mentioned this. I think that shooting weekend only you're going to discover um, how, where your vulnerabilities are. You're going to very much more, quickly, I guess, determine how a person can shoot one-handed well. Um, And and when you force yourself to do it in in the most compromised, weakest method you have available to you, you're going to get much better at it because you're going to figure out all the little tiny things you have to do to overcome those weaknesses. So by putting the gun in my weak hand only, I'm right-handed, so for me, that's my left hand, and putting it in my left hand, All of my deficiencies are going to be accentuated because it's my weak hand. They're going to be overly 
accentuated. Yeah. Like that's the best word, right? Everyone knows what I mean. So, so I have to really dial that in and I got to figure that out. And that process, that learning process is going to get extremely valuable when I come back over to strong hand only. And I think that's, that's the takeaway here. Everest has got my back. He says that he studies a good number of foreign languages and ancient Greek taught him more English than anything. Sounds legit to me, Everest. Yeah. Uh, so I completely agree, Jacob, and, and also with Todd talking about uh, improving your weak hand uh, helps, you know, with with shooting of really any kind. Here, here's what I find about uh, shooting support hand only. And I tried, you know, like what well, it's really semantics, but I, I really do prefer saying support hand or secondary hand or something to that effect uh, because. I, I do believe in positive reinforcement and always calling this thing my weak hand is, I don't think not, it, it's not fair. In fact, here, here's something too, to, to understand guys, uh, uh, your support hand is the hand that is doing a lot of the work relating to recoil management and control of the gun when you're in shooting a in a two handed grip. Yep, exactly. Uh, your support hand well, at least in the case of mine, that may not be true of everybody, but you know, I've practiced a long time. I've gotten pretty proficient. Uh, I do exercises with, with, you know, various hand strength exercises. Uh, I have a very strong support hand. Okay. So my support, my support hand is not weak. However, it's not particularly mm, well refined in the application of that strength. Right, it's more difficult because where I have spent all this time strengthening that support hand and making sure it gets really good contact on the gun, on the grip, uh, and managing that recoil really well. Simultaneously, my trigger finger on my primary hand has gotten really good at isolating that trigger finger and and working the trigger while not moving the rest of the hand. The support hand, my left hand in my case, does not have as much trigger time. That's just a reality and a fact of life. Uh, and some people are more ambidextrous than others and, and are more naturally inclined anyway to be able to manipulate those single, those individual digits a little bit better than others. Uh, but, uh, but still, you pretty much don't really run into many situations where a person is equally as good with either hand using that, those respective hands only, uh, because whatever hand is getting the most time and the most work, the most practice with, with trigger manipulation and that kind of stuff, that's usually the hand that's going to be a little bit better. Now we, we can work to make, like I know in the case of John Korea, he's a uh, left eye dominant, but he's actually right handed, but he, he was shooting rifles left handed. And in his world, he just thought, you know what? it would make a lot more sense for me if I just shot my pistols left-handed too. He, he's talked about this in his videos where he just started training and learning how to shoot with his supposed weak hand or support hand and has made it his now primary hand, his dominant hand where it comes to shooting a pistol. We should probably actually talk. Maybe we should, maybe we should have him on the podcast again sometime and actually pick on that a little bit. Cause that'd be interesting to learn about like from his perspective, if he feels like, now his right hand doesn't shoot as well as his left hand where, but it, but at some point it must've made that switch. I presume, I don't know. I'm reading into that. Anyway, point is 
support hand is not as weak as we think. It's usually doing a lot of work. It's just doing different work, right? And so because we don't get a lot of trigger time on that support hand, it's different. It feels weird, feels awkward even, uh, is not as refined, and so it's more difficult. Now, all of that to get back around to kind of where you were at, Jacob, here's what's interesting. Spending time on learning on my left hand, in my, in my case, my support hand only, is kind of like relearning or or it, it's, it's kind of like teaching myself what it was like to shoot in the very beginning. I mean, that's a bit maybe extreme because I do actually shoot okay these days with support hand only, but I am not anywhere close support hand only like I am to primary hand only. So it, it's kind of like taking a step back in time to when I wasn't quite as good a shooter with my primary hand. And so all of those same lessons have to be relearned in a way. It's like, oh, wait, you know, when I do this, my grip moves, my my grip, my hand torques into the grip, and now it moves off target. That, that's my big tendency. I go low right very easily with support hand only. It's so easy. I'm like, whack, you know, that that whole torque and, and breaking of the of the wrist and everything. Oh, man, I have to work so hard to keep everything totally still, to keep that wrist locked and in place while I'm manipulating that trigger finger. And so it's like going back and, and relearning to shoot. And that actually does help, I think, and translate over to all other aspects of my shooting. Yeah, super fair. That makes sense to me. Um, I'll apologize quickly for saying weak or whatever word I used. I, I'm not really into those semantics. I'm, I'm trying to be. No uh, need to apologize, bro. I try to be audience conscientious, you know. So depending on who's in the room, I, I'll I'll try to follow the support or weak or non-dominant or whatever term people prefer. I really just don't care. Uh, but yeah, there you have there Jacob's Jacob's apology for using wrong words. No, no, no need for an apology, bro. Like, and everybody gets, everybody understands what you mean. Um, but as kind of like we were talking last night with Brian Hill from Complete Combatant last night in our Guardian Nation members, you know, live broadcast and uh, talking about the, you know, kind of the mental part of, of shooting and positive reinforcement, all that stuff. Man, I've become a real believer in the last year or so. So anyway. Words, words um, do matter. So let's talk. Yeah. Let's, let's go here, Riley. Uh, mm. In the shooter ready challenge, I think you primarily focus on drawing with the strong hand and then transitioning to the support hand. Uh, but before we go there, I'd like to hear quickly thoughts about drawing with the support hand. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. for people who are, who are pondering about that. Yeah. And we had a question, I think, from Everest. I think somebody asked about drawing uh, support hand only. Okay. So instead of drawing with your primary hand and transitioning to support hand uh, to actually draw with the, with the support, support hand in the first place, that, that would be the more realistic thing in a way, right? Like imagine uh, your gunfight didn't materialize the way that you hoped it would. And right off the bat, you sustain an injury to, before you can get your gun out, your dominant hand is injured or arm, but your gun's still in a holster. So Everest's question specifically was about drawing support hand only from an appendix holster. So I'll start there. Then we could talk about some other carry positions. And, and really there's, there's two approaches. One is to actually 
draw with the hand on the gun sort of upside down. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm appendix carry my gun grip. The grip of the gun is pointing to my right side. Uh, I would draw, I would just reach down with my left hand and grab the grip as if it was no different, except in this case that the gun is actually going to be upside down in my hand and you could come out of the holster and then pin it against your body and basically roll the gun over on your chest and then reassume your grip and away you go. That's one option. It's not my preferred choice or method because there's a lot of liability in trying to do that. It's also not very practical if you're actually in the middle of a fight to actually get the gun out of the holster on your chest, hold it there as you ma- manipulate and move things around and reassume your grip. Like it just sounds like a recipe for disaster. So the easier thing is to actually, and it's hard, especially if you're not very flexible in the joints in the elbow and the shoulder, but you actually invert your hand completely, you know, it, you just, you, you, you rotate it inboard and you keep mm-hmm. going until your hand matches the orientation of the grip in the, what is a back backwards holster for your left hand. Yeah. Palm and, out. And you, yeah, exactly. Palm out, but your hand is basically right. You know, it's just, it's totally twisted around and you draw out and you do that. That works better. I think is more predictable is more useful in a practical sense. It's awkward and some people won't be able to do it very well. Uh, but that's, that's my preferred method these days. And for appendix carry, that method works awesome because it's actually doable. But if you're carrying at three or four o'clock, especially like four, four thirty, you're like the complete opposite end of your body from your left hand. Of course, I'm doing this all in the right hand context. Um, that is, um, that's difficult. And in fact, frankly, drawing from a holster that's on your dominant side with your non-dominant hand is just hard. It's hard. It just is. It's pretty sucky though, though around the back. I mean, if we're talking more like a four, four thirty, five o'clock carry position, that's actually pretty doable. Uh, if you get further back. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah 35 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And again, depends on how flexible and, and, and yeah, yeah mobile that, your that arm gets is. much more doable for sure. It's a possibility, but I don't like carrying that far back for, for various reasons. This is not meant to, you know, talk about that position. So if I'm carrying IWB, I'm, I'm pretty strictly at three thirty, four o'clock. And that's a, that's like, I'm doing it right now as I'm talking to the mic and it's like, I can kind of get there, but Ooh, it's tough. That's, that's, that's easy cause for me, dude. I mean, I can reach, I can reach all the way around. You can see my hand. It's <laughs> no big deal. Uh, for the audio only listeners. I'm so sorry. You can't see this. This, this actually kind of looks funny. Uh, Jacob standing and demonstrating how his left hand can <laughs> go all the way to the other side of his body. Yeah. Well, y- yeah, I'm, I'm just a bigger dude, bro. And I know we have listeners and viewers that are even bigger than me, uh, you know, girth wise. And, and so the distance gets increased. <laughs> yeah. Do what you gotta do. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, if you can't get a grip on the gun such that when you come out of the holster, you got it, you got the grip then you need to just figure out how to get the gun out of the holster and then get it into the grip, whether that's, as you described, pinning it, rolling it across the chest or the body or yep. setting it down on the ground and then repicking it yes. up. You know I mean? Or yes. uh, Everest mentioned pinning it between your knees. I mean, do whatever is going to be safe and consistent, reliable and all that stuff. But the answer is figure it out. Yeah. See, and I didn't touch on those other options because in my mind, I don't even really think about them because 
they get even they get less and less practical. Uh, so I, I'm always thinking in the context of trying to keep that gun with me and on my person, uh, which certainly pinning it between my knees, that's true. It's still with me, but very, very impractical because now I, 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 I can't move. Like it, it is a stationary position only option. Now we could talk about maybe, maybe you've lost the use of a hand or an arm to some extent, but you still have a little bit there that you can, you know, let's just assume you got shot and maybe you got shot and it just happened to sever a nerve or something, which is why the hand stops working so well, but you still have an arm that's basically working. You could in theory, pinch it between your arm and your chest and or in your armpit and maybe do something that way too. So there's all kinds of options, but again, I, I, I much prefer uh, trying to stick with the things that allow me to maintain mobility and, and, and well, that's, that's really the big thing mobility, right? Cause keep in mind, I'm probably in some kind of fight. And so I need to access my gun in a way that that's practical in that, you know, in that context. <laughs> all right. So let's presume though, that, I have the ability for whatever reason to draw with my, with my dominant hand and then transition to the support hand. I think that's the, one of the major things you focus on in the uh, shooter ready challenge this month for those who, who haven't seen it. Yeah. And that's obviously a bit of a different situation. And this is one we see a lot more in terms of administrative work. When mm-hmm. you're at a shooting match or you're on, you're in a class with an instructor like us and you're on the range and the instructor says, Hey, now we're going to shoot support hand only this is a situation where almost every time this is what we're going to ask you to do. We're going to have you draw strong hand and then, uh, you know, transition over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so we, we, I did it this way in the shooter ready challenge because it's kind of the starting place. You know what I mean? Like, um, this is, this is where I would start somebody, uh, it is okay. We're going to draw the gun out with our usual hand, our, our normal hand uh, that we usually draw with. And we're going to now learn how to safely transition that into the other hand. Cause really the purpose of the goal is, is more focused on the shooting aspect. Uh, but also getting used to that inner, you know, in between hand um, uh, manipulation as well. Cause it, cause even if that's not practical in a lot of contexts, I still think it's, it's good, like it's just good manipulation skill stuff. Like just the idea of having the gun in the hand, having to manipulate it with this hand, but also get it to this hand and manipulate that hand and back and forth. Like all of that just is, it it expands our repertoire of, of what our body mechanics and, and all that, you know, like we're just, we, we learn how to better manipulate the gun when we do things like that. It also works well for those that are interested or are involved in the shooting sports, meaning your competitive shooting, IDPA, USPSA, that kind of stuff, where shooting stages or drills or, or classifiers involve a weak hand only, or in this case, they almost always call it weak hand, WHO, uh, in, in the matches. So, yeah, occasionally it does slip out because that is literally like what what they call it in a lot of the stage briefings. Um, but it, there's there's a lot of classifiers and stuff in USPSA where you shoot part of the classifier either two handed or with your dominant hand, and then you perform a reload and you transition immediately over to your support hand. So anyway, point is this this month's shoot rate challenge is is more it, it's more focused on the shooting aspect uh, and some basic manipulation skills. Let's actually take this a bit further, Jacob. What's actually more realistic 
particularly in, I think, like a civilian context, even a law enforcement one to some degree, what's more realistic? You having to draw your gun with your support hand only from your holster or you initially got the gun out and engaged with your threat, but in the process, by the way, it is not uncommon at all to take rounds in the hand and in the arm, the forearm, when you're sh- when you're shooting it, when two people are shooting at each other, because that's <laughs> it's in the center of your chest, and that's where we're trying to put shots a lot of times. So you're you're going along, and all of a sudden you take a round to the to the right hand, the right arm, and it causes you to drop the gun. Um, first of all, I would, I would insert here a caveat. We should never assume like we should be ready for this possibility that if we take an injury, it could be from a knife slash even, right? That it could be really gnarly looking. It could look terrible. We could have skin, you know, and muscle and fat tissue. I know it's sorry for the, for the gore, like, like protruding out of our arm from a nasty wound or gash. We shouldn't assume that we can't use that hand still. I shouldn't just go, Oh no, I got shot in my right hand. I can't use it now. No, I I would say check if you like actually try to use it. Actually try to stick with the plan and, and stay in the fight. And if you, you go to grab the gun and you're trying to manipulate the gun and you realize, Oh wait, three of my fingers aren't there. They got blown off by a, a shot, you know, a gunshot or whatever. Uh, okay. All right. Now we go to the support hand. What's more likely is probably picking up the gun in our support hand from the ground. That is, if we, if we end up having to shoot support hand only, it's, it probably means picking the gun up from the ground. Hmm. So I would recommend actually practicing that. Having the gun in various orientations, left side, right side, you know, flip it different directions and actually get used to what that's like picking up the gun from a surface, from a table, from the ground with your support hand only and then getting up on target. Tell, tell me if you think this is crazy, Riley, but in, in my head, when, I, when I'm practicing, you know, like dry fire, you know, maybe not live, but when I'm doing dry fire with support hand only, I also try a lot of weird uh, directional kind of shooting because I, I often presume that if I'm shooting one-handed only or support hand or 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 uh, dominant hand, that it might be because it's what's necessary to get a shot on a target in a certain place based on, for example, let's say you're sitting in a in a car seat. It's pretty hard to pivot your entire body in, in, in a single direction. It might mean you've got to, you know, shoot one-handed in order to get the shot where he needs to go. And, and you know, a safety and all other tactics aside, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there might be something to this idea that it's, it may not be straight in front of you. You know, if you're shooting one handed only, it might be a target that's not exactly square with your body. So yeah. I do, I do, you know, when I shoot, when I do some, some one handed only uh, dry fire, I often will work, you know, with targets in different directions as well. Not always directly in front of me. Well, that's not a bad thing because, you know, transitions are, are, are a good thing to practice. Uh, and I often refer, refer to transition drills because people will be like, what are you, John Wick? You're like, you're going to shoot three guys and, tra- you know, like shoot shoot two on one, two on the other, and two on another, you know, like a El Presidente style. No, but, but I think transition drills are kind of the starting place for learning how to shoot a moving target. 
in actuality. But anyway, that's a topic for another, and we've talked about in the podcast before, but um, to your point, so there may be something to that to some degree, but I, I really, I really abhor changing hands with a gun. If I don't like absolutely have to, and by absolutely have to, because like there's something wrong with my primary hand. Uh, and the reason being is because I'm, I'm usually just going to be less effective. So you talk about well, what if I had this really awkward, like over my shoulder shot, my, my priority would be to actually try to get myself positioned so I could take that shot normal, you know, as normally as possible, because there comes a point too, where you probably ought, ought to consider not taking that shot. Sure. A high probability you're going to miss. You know, it's an awkward direction. It's like over the shoulder. You can't even really, you know, get a good sight picture. It just, I think that is a very, very, very limited uh, use sort of context um, and and not really practical. Again, could it exist, I suppose. Now, I do actually want to address uh, Todd's uh, comment here. He says, what if you're, you know, shooting around a, you're shooting around cover essentially is what he's getting at. Uh, you're going around the left side and you're a righty. And he's saying, that, you know, and this is something that is taught, has been taught uh, to switch to your support hand. And so you can go around the left side or your support hand side of cover and shoot that way because you'll you'll expose less. Um, yeah, I, I, I used to even ascri- ascribe to that idea, but I don't anymore. I'd prefer to uh, I'd prefer to still shoot my my normal way uh I, number one if you really understand use of cover and can use it effectively you can still minimize your exposure even going to your non-dominant side with your dominant hand in a two-hand grip um but i would even rather cant the gun to my left and go around cover that way than actually switch hands because i will still be more effective in in my shooting doing that than just trying to shoot my support hand only. And there's the time, it's a time cost, right? By transitioning to the support hand, it takes time. I might not have that time. So I can go around the right side of cover in my standard grip. I can even cant the gun and go right around the left side of cover and it happens lickety split. So that that's my preference when, when we talk about uh, going right side, left side cover is still where possible maintain your typical grip and shooting platform. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, I was about to make a, a comment about carbines, but it really would have taken us away from the idea of single handed shooting, but carbines yeah. are maybe a more realistic uh, place. Where, different. Yeah. Transitioning to support side makes more sense, but then I'm not shooting one handed. I'm just shooting support side. It's a Uh, different context for sure. Uh, And and frankly, running a carbine left-handed, you know, when you're a righty is still easier than actually shooting left-handed on a pistol because you you have more points of contact. So the gun's always more stable um, than what you get when you switch to your support hand with a pistol. Now, I'm not, again, can we in theory practice support hand to a point where we're not really handicapped in that way? Yes. Um, is it the most wise use of our resources, though, in our training time? Mm, probably not. I don't know. If I was Riley Bowman, I might uh, I might spend more time practicing those things because I'd be so good at all the core stuff. But um, yeah, 
I you know all that is valid and fair. I, I think guys, this I love these conversations. By the way, I very rarely get to be part of the Shooter Ready Challenge episodes. These are generally you and Matthew. So I was really, I was really excited to do this. I think the takeaway, if you're listening to this right now, is why aren't you participating in the Shooter Ready Challenge? Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the, these conversations are great, but we've we've not given away the 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 punchline of the joke. Like you still got to go watch the challenge. It's incremental above and beyond information from what we've discussed here in this episode. So I guess I just wanted to reiterate that, that, you know, we, we've not mm-hmm. given you all of it. Like go watch the shooter ready challenge. Yeah. Yep. Shooter ready challenge.com is where, you, where you'll find uh, the most recent shooter ready challenge, as well as you can still see obvious uh, challenges as well the archive, if you will. Um, last month was shooting one hand only and assuming your dominant hand. So very similar, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, we want, I wanted to do the support hand only side too, because, you know, it, it's intended to be a challenge, right? So I wanted to challenge uh, our participants, those that are doing the shooter ready challenge to last month. Okay. You got good one handed practice. Now let's do it with that other hand, the one you don't really like, Shooting with nobody really enjoys shooting support hand only. Um, I don't even particularly because it's hard enough as it is to shoot our guns, even two handed. It's hard enough shooting with our dominant hand only. And then it's like now spend some time, you know, practicing support hand only. It's just it's not particularly fun. <laughs> no. So it's not, but that's why, you know, it's, it's great to do as a shooter rate challenge because it's like, guys, this is a great thing you can do in dry fire practice. Uh, you can start making it so that, that gun feels less like a foreign object in your non-dominant hand. And that time is valuable time. It's good time. So uh, definitely go to shooterreadychallenge.com, watch the video and, and put some time in this week or this month, uh, put, put some time in practicing with that support hand only. It'll only make you better. <laughs> I did. I did want to touch real quick, Jacob. I think it's totally a fair point, and I put it on the screen there a moment ago from Casey. She talked about if you have a safety, we need to we need to prepare for that and, and make accommodations for uh, active or manual safeties on on handguns. Uh, we go to support hand only. Maybe the safety's on. It could even be that we were shooting the gun with our primary hand took some kind of injury or whatever a gun went to the ground and it could have got the safety could have got knocked back on or just by nature of picking it up with the opposite hand you might you know easily oh. put it right back on yeah so sure. we always have to assume that we got to take a if we have a safety on the gun we got to assume we got to take it off we need to have a means of doing that uh it's less of an issue in this day and age with uh more of the striker fired guns that people tend to use and carry uh, but we even see some striker fired guns that have that come with safeties. Some of the Smith and Wessons, uh, even the P365, P365 XL has a safety option. Uh, fortunately, in many of those cases, they're ambidextrous, meaning that whether we're right hand, left hand, it's pretty easy to manipulate those. Uh, we should get still get practice with doing that. But there are a few examples of guns that don't have the ambidextrous safeties. And so we need to have a plan for that. Well, I'll just quickly add to that if you run a gun with a grip safety, that a common place that we see shooters fail is when they try to switch to support hand only. Uh, They just don't get the same kind of grip that they're used to getting. 
and they fail to fully deactivate that grip safety. So if, mm-hmm. that's, if that's something you run on your gun, that's also something you need to be thoughtful about and work with uh, when you're practicing and training this skill. A very valid point. Yes, I've absolutely, I've seen that. And, and we still see grip safety issues with dominant hand only. Oh yeah, sure. Hand only. Because uh, it's just, it's different. And sometimes we make little weird accommodations in the grip when we don't have that extra help and support of our support hand on the gun. Uh, so absolutely about, and this, that's why this is a great thing to practice in dry fire, including with your live fire gun made safe, of course, so that you're used to, I feel like transitioning to what's a 1911 and XD, whatever it is. And you're getting used to how that support hand needs to actually grip the gun to get positive uh contact with that grip safety absolutely uh, my last thought though is we, we need we also need to practice this live fire because when you're trying to deal with recoil single hand only support or or dominant that's also a different game uh so make sure yeah run this dry but then go run it live so you have a sense for what it feels like to deal with that recoil with just one hand on the gun mm, for sure and, and by the way we didn't even get into some of the some of the other little bits and pieces of shooting one hand only, as far as like, there's some things we want to do with maybe our stance, maybe, you know, how we're holding our, our, the actual gun itself, as far as whether uh, we've got a zero can, if we got a little bit of a can or whatever, um, all of that there. And I actually cover a lot of that in the shooter ready challenge video for both October, but also the one from last month, which, which uh, if you go watch October's, this recent one, you'll see I actually say, also go back and watch or rewatch last month's where I talk about uh, uh, primary hand-only shooting because I cover some other things there. It just didn't make sense to cover yet again uh, one month later. So uh, we're not touching a lot of that here today, mostly because of time. Uh, and plus, like Jacob said, we want you to go watch Shooter Ready Challenge. <laughs> it's free. Yep, totally free. free. Yep. And, and uh, you know, those of you that have Laser X, uh, get signed or, or great because that works great because the the very drill, the the you know, I show even going in the menu and like, okay, we're doing this thing. Uh, it, it is actually the support hand only uh, drill or whatever. It's in the challenges section of the Laser X app. And, and that's what we use. And, and for those that uh, actually participate using Laser X, you're automatically entered in for a giveaway. All right. We used to give away ammo, 200 rounds of ammo. Unfortunately, <laughs> can't count on that anymore. So so we will still send you a worthwhile prize Correct. to be determined. To be determined. So make sure you're participating in the Shooter Ready Challenge. Speaking of which, a reminder that, and we talked on it earlier, so guys, go get signed up for our weekly giveaways, concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. I, I was thrilled to give away a couple of pairs of Hunter's HD Gold glasses while at USPSA Nationals. I think we have yet to publish the video of the second winner that was uh, announced. I'll try to get that up uh, today or tomorrow. Unfortunately, we we're going to do those videos live from the range, but cell service war it wasn't. It was not uh, cooperating, <laughs> so, so I've had to publish those separately. Today's episode sponsors, LaserX, laserapp.com to learn more. Also, 
Next Level Training and their wonderful CERT pistol, their whole lineup of CERT products. Uh, NextLevelTraining.com is the place to go check those guys out. We do appreciate Next Level Training and the Laser App Team's support of Shooter Ready Challenge as well as the Concealed Carry Podcast. For those of you who are waiting on a CERT pistol, know that you're not alone. CERT pistols have been back ordered for many months, months. now. And uh, we still have customers that ordered in July that are waiting. But we do think we're going to get caught up pretty rapidly over the next three to four weeks. I just didn't want you to think you'd been forgotten about or that you were uh, alone or, or unique. Like the whole industry is out of cert pistols and those guys are trying to keep up as quickly as they can. Yeah. And, and I want everyone to know too that Jacob has really been going to bat for, for you guys. Those of you that are waiting on uh, cert pistols or frankly anything else that we might have that's still uh, uh, back-ordered. Jacob is, he's got your guys back. He's, he was on the phone just the other day with Next Level Training, just just kind of seeing what where we're at, what's going on, and making sure that uh, they're getting those orders out as quickly as we can. So appreciate you, Jacob, for your diligent efforts, good sir. Did not a- so with that, we're going to wrap it up and let you all go. A reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care, everyone. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.